Hello, welcome to Guns and Homes' Marketing for the Business Curious. I am Alex Guns. And I'm Dawn Holmes. And I sound better than ever because the university has sprung for a proper microphone. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they always say that beauty is skin deep. I, I think this is wrong. It's actually larynx deep, uh, and I'm out to prove it. <laughs> Can't so, do anything about that Canadian accent, though, eh? <laughs> It's no, it's not. It's like the mushy hybrid mongrel transatlantic accent with sort of little bits of English mushed with little bits of Canadian. It's terrible. And I know everyone hates their own voice, but I even hate my own accent. <laughs> what are we going to talk about today, Dom? Well, I, we think, I think we should talk about digital marketing. Ah, right. Gotcha. So banner adverts on web pages uh, and basically the sea of spam in which the internet swims anytime you try and look at anything. Well, to do try not to be spam. This it really gets my goat when people say that because that's not really what it's about. Oh, how very nobly. Try not to be spam. It's not <laughs> even about being noble. Look, somebody has to pay money for every single ad that you see, okay? And if they're putting stuff in front of you that you're not interested in, that's just a waste of cash. If you've got a marketing budget, you don't want to squander it paying for ads for people that just aren't interested. They don't get any of that money back if they present you with spam. Well, I'm not, not sure how well they're doing uh, <laughs> at, at keeping spam away from us. Okay, but... That's because it's hard, okay? Even the most successful banner ads only get a tiny percentage of click-through. But they're so cheap to, to put out there that you only need a low hit rate. And that's where the economics of it comes in. Well, okay, fair enough. That, that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh... But actually, it, when we talk about digital marketing and online marketing, it's about more than just banner ads. Okay, Banner ads is one bit, and it's the bit most people see, the bit that catches your attention. But it's digital marketing is about everything that happens online. It's so much more than just banner ads. So shopping on Amazon and eBay and... And even e-commerce, people's own websites, all of that kind of stuff, that's all online marketing. Search engines, that's, that's all online. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, it all seems very important stuff. Uh, and, and so I, I, I'm gearing up now to wipe out all the stuff we talked about for the last six episodes and, and rediscover a whole new set of marketing principles. Um, I'm braced. I, I'm set in my chair. Come on, Don, hit me with it. I, I'm ready. You don't, you don't really don't need to brace yourself and certainly don't wipe all that stuff that we talked about that was gold that was really <laughs> important stuff don't lose all of that the principles for digital marketing are exactly the same so so much of it is just the same as the rest of the other marketing stuff no yes really yeah it's all the fundamentals you know the value proposition the usp segmentation targeting all that stuff but, okay, it can't all be the same. Okay. There is a difference, and this is the thing. The big difference is that with digital marketing, you get all the metrics. I know what you mean by that, but I think half of our audience just went, wait, they don't use Fahrenheit and inches, not metric? <laughs> <laughs> 
why is it that people always go to measurements when you say metric metrics are things like key performance indicators measurements right that's the stuff and online you can measure everything everything happens in real time and those things are getting counted every time you click on an ad every time you you know from my point of view if you post an ad or you put a product on a web page with different descriptions you can see which one's performing best you can see who clicks in on your product you can see who puts it in the cart if somebody puts something in their cart and then wanders off and doesn't check out and they've abandoned it you get all of the counts of all of that stuff so you've got really really detailed measurement of exactly what's happening in real time and that's the big difference you yeah, know, it's true that that that's very different in real life marketing because, you know, if, if we had a product and we put an ad on TV for it tomorrow, how do we know who's seen that ad? I mean, we, we can ask a ratings company and they might say, oh, 800,000 people were watching, but we don't know if how many of those people were paying attention or, it, you know, if 500 people go into our shop next week, we don't know how many of them saw that advert or if they did see it, if they're there because of it. That's right. And traditionally, we've done all of that with a good dollop of guesswork. Okay. A lot of that has been estimated and extrapolated. But here's the thing. If you're doing online marketing, you can tell how many people put the same things together in their basket. And you, you, can do that. you can do that a little bit in real life. Like, I mean, I can look at the receipts and say, like, well, you bought, you know, nappies and you bought uh, face cream and you bought something else. I mean, I, I can look at the basket of what you bought together. OK, you can do that, but it's a pain. OK, that is to do that stuff manually is so much work. Nobody's going to do it. So that's that's the first thing. And the second thing is you only see the end result. You only see if somebody actually checked out with those two items. What you miss is if somebody in the shop picked up an item, looked at it, read the details and then put it back on the shelf. OK, you, you miss all of that bit of stuff. Yeah, there's actually a guy who does that. It's called Paco Underhill uh, and he like pays people. He trains them to sneak around in shops after and, and follow people around and, and write down every little thing they do. So which packages do they pick up? Which parts of the package do they read? How long do they spend reading it? Um, and it's, it's slow and painstaking and it, it takes a lot of time because you have to pay someone to follow each individual consumer and you can only do it for a couple of the consumers. And, and he finds fascinating stuff about, you know, people aren't really reading packages for more than a few seconds. So if you have lots of little writing, no one's ever gonna find out before they buy. Uh, and he writes actually some really interesting popular marketing books that many of our listeners enjoy. Um, it, it really is riveting stuff. I, I, we give it to my students sometimes and they, they love it. So and anyone out there listening, go and Google Paco Underhill, book him on Amazon. Uh, there's some fantastic books to read where he does this stuff. It is, and, and that stuff is fascinating, but you're only ever dealing with a small sample and it's really expensive to do. So it, that's great if you've got deep pockets and you want some of those nuggets, but actually as a marketing exec, I can just look at my dashboard of all the stuff that's happening online and I can say, okay, 412 people visited the page. 302 of them clicked through and looked at the blue t-shirt. 84 of those put that item in the shopping basket 
and of those 51 went on to buy it the rest just left it there do people That's... really abandon their shopping carts that much oh god yeah all the time <laughs> you know lots of time people move to a different screen they go and get distracted and do something else they kind of think about it and think well if i still want it tomorrow i'll buy it okay you wouldn't do it if you were in the shop you, you do occasionally abandons abandoned shopping carts in the supermarket but very rarely but think about it quite often if you're in a clothes shop you might pick up an item you might wander around with it in your hand for a bit and then you go oh no actually i found something better or actually no i'm going out for dinner tonight i'm saving my money for that i can have an extra cocktail and you put the shirt back on the shelf wherever you are in the shop but no, no i mean I, it's true this is why amazon has one click buy right? every oh. single page that you have to click through you you lose people um Right. Every time you have to like click it to put in more credit card details or click to enter more information, people will drop out at every step. So they try and engineer it so there's the fewest clicks possible so they, they don't lose sales. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you say what you want about Amazon, but they are really on top of their data and on top of optimizing that sales experience so that you get the most click through and the most people that check out with the items, the items they came to buy and a few extra if it's Amazon. One of the things that warms the, the cold, cold cockles of my academic <laughs> heart is that online marketing is a great place to do experimentation. That is true. And experimentation is key. But when you talk about it like experimentation as an academic, it does make it sound like we're treating customers like lab rats. So. Yeah. I, I, I think of them as lab rats. I, you know, <laughs> I imagine them like running around getting little bits of cheese. But you know, call it experiments, call it A-B testing. I mean, yeah, call whatever it a, you want. Call it A-B testing. <laughs> A-B testing, okay. The point is, uh, whatever word you use, a web page gives you a lot more control than a shop window does if you want to try things out fast. So for instance, if I have a shop window, I might be deciding do I put snow and skis in the window to get people to buy my winter clothes? Or should I put just mannequins wearing my sweaters? Uh, should it be the skis? Should it be the sweaters? Uh, I've only got one window to decorate. I basically have to try, you know, make a decision, pick one, put it up. And then if I sell stuff, I don't know what would have happened the other way, right? I don't know what would have happened if I'd done the other option. But that, that's true. I mean, I'm a bit distracted there by this thought of, skis and sweaters and snow because you know we both live in manchester now so actually we mostly in the winter we sell umbrellas and wellingtons so <laughs> very few skis we don't often get that much snow but I, I know exactly what you mean but that whole thing about shall i put skis or shall i put a sweater that's you know you're right in a shop you've only got one window you can want do either one or the other it's a or it's b but online you can test for that so what you do is you set up a randomizer that presents different customers with different options so one customer it might show red sweaters and another customer it might show skis and another customer pictures of snow and somebody else a blue sweater and you can see which of those things performs best and you can test that not just weekly but daily hourly proper real time and then you can make a decision as to which one to keep yeah, I mean, and for people who are budding young methods nerds following along at home, it's that randomization that makes it an experiment, right? So, uh, I mean, I, I randomly assign you when you arrive, you get snow or you get skis or you get the blue sweater. Uh, I flip a coin or have my computer flip a digital coin. 
uh, and then I show you what, and I look at the response rates, and then if I get a difference in response rates, I know it's because it's about the snow and skis and not, you know, you chose this web page because you like it more. Um, see, you're the academic. I know you love all this randomization. Me, I don't really care. I just want different people to see different stuff to see which one comes out best. Potato, potato. <laughs> Indeed. But the thing there is that what you're tracking generally is either activity. So who's clicked on that website, who's clicked through, who's chosen that particular sweater or who's chosen to go to winter clothing. And that act activity that you measure generally relates to sales. Okay, you, do, you don't always have a direct link. You're not always selling stuff directly off that page, but the activity relates to sale. You can kind of use it as a proxy. So in all of this, we have missed one thing. Just one. I'm amazed. <laughs> in the big scheme of things, we probably have skipped over quite, quite a lot of detailed nuances. Um, but there's one big thing that, is also different that segmentation while the principles are the same the mechanics of segmentation can work quite differently online okay go on but so the basic idea is still the same okay you need to find meaningful groups of people that you can tailor your products to or you can tailor your offers to that stuff's the same okay so how's it different then okay what's different is how you find them so if you walk into my shop in real life I might see that you were a man and middle-aged. And very handsome with the lovely larynx. <laughs> handsome, is that what we're calling that look now? Look, it sounds better than weird looking. Uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Okay, I'll give you that. But if you walk into my hypothetical shop, I probably won't see that, unless you've got them with you, I wouldn't necessarily know that you've got kids or that you like cars or that you lean politically one way or the other, or that you see yourself as modern or traditional. I'm not going to see any of those things. But if I walk into your webpage, you can see these things, because you're starting to scare me now, Dawn. I, I look at Amazon and they're like, he's, he's very... <laughs> he likes classic cars. I mean, I don't know anything about classic cars, but he likes classic cars. Okay, well, uh, let, let's put it this way. Google and Facebook know lots of that stuff about you. OK, probably not just Google and Facebook, lots of other places know those things about you. How? How do they know that stuff? Right. So if I'm Google and I've been tracking your online activity, which is what Google does and, and Facebook and others. Right. If I see that you've been searching for nappy rash cures and best baby monitors, I've got a pretty good idea that you've got kids and how old they are. Yeah. And how badly you treat them. <laughs> <laughs> and if I see that your phone goes to the hospital every day, I've got a pretty good idea that you work there. And if I say that you visit the hospital once a week, maybe, I've got a pretty good idea. Either you've got a chronic health condition or you're looking after somebody who does and you're ferrying backwards and forwards for appointments. And if I see you keep up searching for obscure Ferrari models, then I'm going to know you've got an interest in classic cars and, and racing cars and that kind of stuff. And all of these things pulled together paint a picture of who you are. And I build that up as a little data bank on you as a, an individual or at least as an IP address. Well, that, that's what Cambridge Analytica famously did on Facebook, right? I mean, they, yep. they looked at what Absolutely. people liked and they indexed that to some personality surveys people took. And then 
based on that, they, they worked out this algorithm, and so they could look at anybody's feed, they could look at the things you would click like on, and from that, even though you hadn't done the personality survey, they could take a pretty ga good guess uh, if you were more adventurous versus more fearful, and things like that. And then they would use that to target you with different political messages. So uh, they would show scary ads about immigrant hordes gonna arrive here any minute now uh, if their profile said that you were conservative and a bit fearful. Um, but if they thought you were a more adventurous type, they would show you more upbeat messages about, you know, the joys of Brexit. That's absolutely right. That's, that's kind of what they do in the background. And every time you fill in one of those surveys, they're collecting that data, not just on you, but on other people that might be like you and certainly other people in your network and that kind of stuff. And they build this stuff together. But there's other companies that do things like look at what music you listen to and what you're buying online and what shows you stream. So Netflix probably know as much about you as Google and the rest of them because they know what kind of films you like, what kind of films you might rate, all of that, you know, when you watch films, all of those kind of things. Music has a music can say quite a lot about our personalities, and I, sometimes I don't think we realize how much music reveals about not just our age and gender but also about our likes and dislikes and all of that kind of stuff and actually it gets worse than that and or better depending who you ask <laughs> so facebook doesn't even have to wait for you to visit facebook's website before they start working out the stuff about you oh i thought they did so you're saying they don't no 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 so you know how like tons of web pages have those little buttons here which says click here to like on facebook yeah, so I always ignore those buttons. Because if you click, it oh. tells Facebook. Right, but here's the thing. You don't even have to click on it, right? The fact that that little button loaded on the web page means that as soon as you've loaded the web page, even though you haven't clicked on it yet, it's already told Facebook that you, personally, Thorn, have looked at that page. So when a, a political candidate puts that button on their page, Facebook knows that you're looking at that candidate's web pages. Um, and when they index that with all of the other things they know about you, like who you're friends with and what you like, they, they can just get this eerily accurate and complete picture of who you are. That's pretty sneaky. Oh, um, um, for a lot of sites, you don't even need those buttons. What do you mean you don't need the buttons? <laughs> well, I mean, so there's cookies, right? Um, so, you know, if you look at like, websites, they'll often have like hundreds of cookies from different places uh, that, that aren't even, right? Um, so lots of commercial partners uh, and some of them you might recognize the names but a lot of them you don't um, and sometimes those are just agencies that have cookies on hundreds and hundreds of different unrelated websites across the web and so you're visiting these unrelated websites and the websites are telling them hey look this person has visited here um, and sometimes it doesn't even have to be a cookie so they'll put an image like a transparent image that's one pixel big uh, and they'll put that on a page and every time you load the page uh, it'll load that one pixel, right? And then that will tell the company who owns the pixel uh, you know, a fair bit about you because you're visiting this page. That's really sneaky. This is when the internet and all of that stuff gets a little bit big brother and a little bit scary. And we're certainly starting to get into the realms of this whole idea of big data, you know, in inverted commas, big data. I'm doing, I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> I know you can't hear them, but I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> I hate doing that, but I do it. Um, but we're getting into this idea of big data and 
where you've got tons and tons of information on thousands and thousands of people and you can work you can use that to work out things about them either as individuals or as groups of people but that's such a big topic i think we should park that and do another episode about big data and what we know about people from a marketing point of view on big data okay book that we'll do that later then yeah okay um so for now let's concentrate on what this means about how you can target adverts so it means if i want to sell my product i can buy a slot to have it shown to people and i can say when i buy this slot i want my ad to be shown to women who are 18 to 24 who are interested in fashion like boats and they're adventurous okay and that's part of how i avoid spamming people you know we started off this talking about spam that's how i avoid spamming people because if the only people who see my adverts are the ones who are likely to be interested in buying it, then I'm less likely to waste money having it shown to people who aren't interested. So you could argue then, you could argue that all of this targeting is good for consumers because it means you get spam less and you see more things that are relevant to your interests. Would it, yeah, in theory, that's exactly it. In theory, that's what's happening. And the the thing is that you don't get shown fewer ads. The principle is that you get shown ads that are more relevant to you. And because they're more relevant, you mind them less. And there should be things that you might not necessarily want to buy right now, but at least they're of interest to you. So for instance, they wouldn't be showing me things about nappy rash because I don't have children. Okay. So if they showed me stuff about nappy rash, that would pee me off. It's never something I'm interested in. But they might show me stuff that was appropriate for a, <laughs> I'm doing air quotes again, middle-aged woman. <laughs> so, and that's how the industry talk about it. This targeting is good for consumers because it lets offers be tailored to you. Okay. So click here for targeted adverts. It's good for you. It's better for you. You'll get less spam. That, that's certainly the claim they make, um, although it, it, it presupposes that I'm interested in having things sold to me. Well, the thing is, if you want to read your favourite blog for free, okay? I do, I do, very much. <laughs> well, bloggers have to get paid, okay? Blogs, uh, podcasts, all of that stuff is generally funded by adverts. These people have to earn a living to be able to generate that content. And on some level, that's the bargain that you're making. I'm going to get this podcast for free. And for that, I don't mind being presented with this advert. It's the same way traditional media works. I get my daily paper for a pound. Printing costs for that paper are much, much, and the, the running of that paper, employing all those journalists, mean that a newspaper should probably cost you five to ten pounds. Okay, but nobody's going to pay that. So the papers carry lots of adverts and that subsidizes it. It's exactly the same with the stuff on the internet. Remember that the fundamentals behind this are fundamental marketing stuff. It's not massively different online, it's just the channels are different. We can do things differently. Hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm just caught up on one thing you said there. Podcasters get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Where did we go wrong, Don? Okay, so the thing is, Alex, they have to have a successful podcast that's listened to by lots of people. That's step one. I knew there was going to be a catch somewhere. <laughs> I feel like we're on to another deep topic here, though, the whole economics of the internet and how advertising drives it. Uh, and 
that that's a sort of a, a fairly broken business model in a lot of ways that a lot of people complain about. But we should do a whole other episode on that because it, it, it's a very deep mine that we can dive off into. We should. Uh, there's lots of new ways of funding the internet that are coming up that would actually make an interesting other chapter so let's park that for like like big data let's park that for another day this is just our intro this is our our, our thumbnail sketch interview of, of uh digital marketing so that's a deal we'll talk about that one later just looking back on it though it, it seems like we've already talked about quite a few things today um like we've already done metrics uh we talked about targeting we talked about how you track online activity we've done quite a bit haven't we yeah, yeah. Um, and we haven't even told people like some of the really important things like, like, I don't know, if they wanted to put an advert online, where would you even start? Yeah, and we should definitely cover that. I mean, that's pretty basic to understanding digital marketing. Um, it is. Um, but I'm also starting to look at the clock here uh, and realizing that people have probably nearly finished their dishes already. <laughs> but I tell you what, why don't we make this part one and then we can come back next week and tell people about how to do digital marketing as part two. Um, yeah, as I say in the UK, that sounds like a good shout. What, don't you say that in Canada? No, no, that would be more like, a, well, that's a good one, eh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a plan. So let's say bye for now. Okay, and uh, tune in next week for part two of your crash course in how to do digital marketing. Okay, how do I be maximally British about this now? Cheerio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so long. Take care, eh? <laughs> Bye. Bye.